Now, would you open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John, and we're going to turn to chapter 5. Mr. Jones was a wee bit worried about my time, but he needn't have worried at all. You see, I have a paper which says the meeting goes to 9.15, another one that says it goes to 9.30, and I know there was a man in the Bible who preached till midnight, so there's nothing to worry about. John's Gospel, please, and we're going to read in chapter 5. John's Gospel, chapter 5. There is a beautiful little story at the first part of John 5. We're going to read it and look at it briefly tonight. Verse 1 says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now may the Lord bless to us the reading of his word. Our New Testament, as you know, begins with four gospel accounts, four records of the life of the Lord Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each in their distinctive way will tell the story of Christ. When we come to the Gospel of John, there is the distinctiveness of presenting the one who came down from heaven to do the Father's will. The Son of God has come into the world, the Savior of sinners. John doesn't give us a lot of the miracles of the Lord Jesus. What we've read tonight is actually number three in the sequence of miracles. And yet a strange thing is this. Before we get to John chapter 5, there's a story in chapter 3 of a very important man called Nicodemus, who one night came to the Lord Jesus and said this, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. 
And so you can readily see that the Lord had done many miracles and had caught the attention of a man called Nicodemus. The closing verse of John's Gospel, he tells us this, there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books. What a wonderful account. All these miracles, and yet John, as guided by the Spirit of God, just gives us a selected few. I want you to think with me tonight of the story of a man. A man who for a long, long time had wanted help from a pro- for a problem that he had came to a point of realizing no one could help him. And then one day, the Lord Jesus came. And that made all the difference. That made all the difference. I'm going to ask you just very simply for me tonight to look at this little story. And to think that it's a story of what the Bible calls a great multitude of people. And they're in the city of Jerusalem. And they're at a particular place. I'm going to just ask you tonight with me to look at this great multitude of people using these three words. I I want to think of the crowd. And I'll just suggest to you, everyone in the crowd has a problem. But in addition to the crowd of people that's there at this place in Jerusalem, I'm going to ask you to think with me of the one man. And he's a cripple. He's a cripple. 38 years crippled. And then I want you to think with me of the other one who comes along, and that's Christ. The crowd, the cripple, and Christ. We want just for a moment to think of this as we read the story. It tells us something about the condition of that crowd. And I'm going to suggest to you, it's a picture of humanity in all of its pitiful conditions before the God of heaven. If we think then tonight of the condition of the crowd, I would like you to think with me tonight of the cry of the cripple. Sir, I have no man. And I want you to think with me of the compassion of Christ. Just that, the compassion of Christ upon a poor man who had no one to help him. Again, let me say that the stories in our Bible, they are literal stories that happened back there in those days. But they are stories recorded to help us learn lessons before God. Can I draw your attention just very quickly to three things about this crowd that's mentioned in these verses we've read. Number one, 
where they are. Where they are. It says they're in Jerusalem. Number two, it says this. They're by a sheep market or a sheep gate. They're by a pool. And it's identified with a beautiful name, Bethesda. What does all that mean? It means this. Here's a crowd of people all with a problem. In the place where the presence of God had been known for long numbers of years. Here's a crowd of people and something wrong with every one of them at a particular spot in the city of Jerusalem, a sheep gate. I'd just like to ask you to consider something tonight. These people might have been in any city of the world, but they're not. You could be in any part of Vancouver tonight, but you're not. You're here. And being here, you're in a privileged place where the Bible is read and where the gospel is preached and where the story of Christ is told and where your need before God is told. And you'll be told tonight that Christ alone can meet the greatest need that you will ever have. A crowd of people in the city of Jerusalem by a sheep gate, all for many, many years prior to this story. There had been a temple in Jerusalem, and there had been an altar, and it was the Jewish custom that on an ongoing basis, many an offering would have been brought from the outside to the city of Jerusalem, offerings that will be taken to the altar and offered up to God, When I come to John chapter 5, I'm reminded of this. There has now come into the world not an offering of the Old Testament types, but one who is identified as the Lamb of God beareth away the sin of the world, and that one is the Lord Jesus. He is God's Son who came down from heaven And to this place called the Sheep Gate, and coming to the city, comes the Lamb who will put an end to all the lambs before, who will do a work on the cross of Calvary that will put an end to all of the altars, one who will go to that cross and lift it up on the cross of Calvary, will do a work that will satisfy God and satisfy heaven. The Lamb of God comes to where a needy people are. Bethesda's the house of mercy. I said to you tonight, you might be anywhere, but you're not. You're here. Whenever there's people sitting in a gospel meeting, I'd like to remind you tonight that the mercy of God is still available. The love of God is still shown. The grace of God is still with us. God has an interest in you. Here they are in the house of mercy. 
And mercy comes to a man who needs it. If I say to you where they are, could I remind you of what they are from the passage we've read tonight? It says, halt, blind, withered. And I'm not so much concerned tonight with the medical problems, but simply to say this. It is quite obvious that there's something wrong with the whole lot of them. Well, you could talk about the halt. There's something wrong with their walk. Their blindness, you could talk about the fact that they can't see properly. I would just say tonight that any in this meeting who are not saved, your walk before God is not what it should be. Your sight is not what it should be. When I think of them withered, remind that these are people, time's running out. Life is going from them. True of all of us. There they are, the whole lot of them. And something wrong. What about ourselves? What about the whole city of Vancouver? The whole province of B.C., if you like. You can go further. The whole of the world. This book is God's book. This Bible is God's Word given to us. Do you know what it would tell us? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Friends, for a moment. Sin is the terrible thing that came in in the beginning and separates man from God. Did we not hear just now of the illustration of a sinner being dead? Not physically, but spiritually before God. Dead in trespasses and sins. Sin is the great separator. And ultimately, if the problem of sin is not remedied, an individual will find themselves separated from God forever. But the wonderful truth of the story of the gospel is that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all have the problem of sin. And I tell you, God has the remedy And it's in the person and work of the Lord Jesus. What are these people? A crowd of people all with a problem. What are they doing? What are they doing here in this city of Jerusalem? By the sheep gate. The little story tells us this. That the whole lot of them are waiting for something to happen. And when this thing happens, each one of them is going to make an effort to get their problem cleared up. I I wonder tonight, how many in this meeting 
and your thinking might be. Uh, When such a thing happens, I intend to get right with God. There are people, and their thinking would be, if ever I find out, if ever the doctor says I've got cancer, or I haven't got long to last, then I'll get right with God. But then there's other people and they've got all kinds of other crutches that they use. You know, when I get to a certain age, when I'm retired from my work, and you can push this all the way back into young ages. I want to tell you something, friend. None of us can count on anything happening except this. It's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. What guarantee could I give you about tomorrow? None. What guarantee could you give me as to tomorrow? None. We don't know what tomorrow or even tonight will bring for any one of us. They're waiting for a certain event. Are you waiting for something? And you're thinking that when it happens, that's my time to get right with God. No, there is a sense when we look at this crowd of people that they're all the same. And by that I mean, they all have have a problem medically. And they're all waiting for a certain event. So they're all alike. And yet, and yet, there is a man here. 38 years. 38 years. There's a man here who is no different than the rest. And yet, he is different. He is different. And how is he different? He's different in this regard. Like all of the rest, he's got a problem. Like all of the rest, he sits there around this pool. But the difference is this. He realizes that no one is going to help him. And he cannot help himself. If you like, he's come to the end of any possibility. I should like to tell you something tonight. It is imperative if we're ever going to be right with God. It is absolutely essential. We must be saved. It is the Apostle Peter in Acts 4.12 which gives us these words. And I remind you, 
Peter is speaking to the religious hierarchy of Jewish society. And he says, Neither is there salvation in any other. None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He's talking to religious people who would gladly say they believe in God. He's talking to people who would tell you that they do their best to keep the law. He's talking to people who would undoubtedly say we go to the temple. We do the things God wants us to do. But, says Peter, we must be saved. And he's telling them that that salvation is only in the person of the Lord Jesus. I want to tell you tonight, if you're ever going to be in God's heaven, you'll not get there by religion or by church or by ritual or anything else of that nature. But the only way into God's heaven is to know the Christ of Calvary and rest upon a finished work that he did when he was nailed to that cross. I think of this man, the cripple I've called him. And just for a moment, think with me of the cry of the cripple. I wonder when he heard the words of the Lord Jesus, Wilt thou be made whole? He must have thought, Sir, I've been 38 years, and that's what I want more than anything else. 38 years. That's what I want more than anything else. Just for a second, friend. I wonder if there might be some in our meeting tonight And you've come to realize what God says about you. And you've come to realize you can't do anything to make yourself right with God. You see, this man, I said, had reached the bottom. Do you know what I'm talking about? There would have been a time in my experience for too many years. I didn't see myself as these people. I would have thought I am just as good as anybody else. And I often say, probably was. But there came a time when I became convinced there's a God that I have to meet and answer to. The same God tells me in this book, the Bible, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I knew that. But then there was a time when I was concerned about getting ready. Oh, I was told to believe. And so I tried to believe. In fact, I did believe. But I reached a point where... I realize this. I'm not saved. And I do not know what to do. I knew I couldn't help myself. And I realized if I die the way I am, 
I'll be lost for eternity. You see, like the man at the pool. Wilt thou be made whole? The poor man looks up into the face of the Lord Jesus. Sir, I have no man. No one will help me. Can't help myself. I said the compassion of Christ. There's a crowd of people here. The whole lot of them with problems. But I remind you that the eyes of Christ would have gone over that crowd. I remind you that Christ is the Son of God who looks not just at the external physical condition, but looks internally as well. He would see these people in their waiting to make a move. He sees a man who can make no move and a man who can do nothing. The compassion of the Lord Jesus is such that he goes to this man. Wilt thou be made whole? A confession of helplessness in himself. And just very, very simple words from the Lord Jesus. Rise, take up thy bed and walk. You notice what I see in this little story. That the man simply did what the Lord told him to do. I don't think there's anything complicated about that now. He simply did what the Lord told him to do. It says the same day was the Sabbath. And here is a man on a day that means rest. He will have rest in his body and joy in his soul. He will have something he never had before. He's a man, if you want to continue reading in John, he'll be showing and telling others what Christ did for him. He's found what he's wanted. Oh, could I just say to you tonight, your condition, I've said, a sinner before God. Like the man here, if only you could get to the point of realizing you can't do anything. And incidentally, I can't help you because I couldn't help myself. And it isn't a church that can help you. It isn't religion that can help you. But there is an answer. The answer I say again is the love and compassion of the Lord Jesus who came down from heaven and on that cross God laid upon His own Son to all that the justice of God required in relation to the problem of sin. And Christ paid the price and finished the work. In fact, on the cross of Calvary, he gave a triumphant cry of finished. What he had come to do was done. And the acceptance of it is seen by the evidence that God gave. Salvation is a finished work. God is satisfied, heaven is satisfied. No, 
What's the word to a needy sinner? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Not just believe about Him, but trust in Him. Rest upon what He did. There's going to be millions of people one day in all the blissfulness of heaven itself, singing the praise of the Lord Jesus, they'll be there because there was a time when they saw themselves like this man, helpless, hopeless, but they saw that Christ was the answer. And because Christ is the answer, I'll be one of those millions. Peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. The man just did what he was told. Just do what God tells you. Rest upon His Son and it'll change your life and change your eternity. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank Thee again tonight for the liberty we have in this land of freedom to be able to meet like this, and for the Bible, God's Word, and for the wonderful story of the Gospel that's touched the lives of millions. We've been hearing about the results of the Gospel in the distant land of Chile. We pray that many others will be saved. But we thank Thee, Lord, it's gone all around the world. Lives have been touched here in Vancouver. And even tonight, the God of salvation will save others who turn and trust Christ. Bless thy word, we pray. And, O God, that tonight tonight there might be some who will realize they can't help themselves. And what was done at Calvary is the only answer. So we pray that others will trust thy beloved Son as Savior. And we have confidence that God will save them. We ask it in his name. Amen.